we're starting the third chapter of Ilchot Ishut, which is the first book, the first set of halachot of the book of Nashim, the fourth book of Mishneh Torah. And uh, this chapter is perhaps the most important chapter in all of Ishut as it relates to the ceremony, if you want to call it that way, or the process of Kiddushin slash Erusin, as you might recall, Erusin and Kiddushin are one and the same. And this chapter will explain as a, a parallel chapter to the first Mishnayot of Masechet Kiddushin and the Sukiyot that follow, how exactly does a woman go from being a Penuya to becoming Mekudeshet? What is a Kiddushin? How do we get married? What is the marriage itself? Um, as a special note, anyone who is Hashem, going to get married or about to get married should really, really know this chapter very fluently. It's a chapter that uh, sets forth most of what needs to be known for understanding what's going on at, uh, at the ceremony of Kiddushin. <clears throat> How can a woman become a Kudeshet? So we had said before there is three ways, Kesef, Shetar, and Biyah. In Bechesef Umekadesh, if the means of doing so is through some monetary amount, monetary consideration, it needs to be at the minimum something that's uh, as Peruta of Kesef, the value of a Peruta of Kesef. This is 0.04 grams of, uh, of silver, or at least something of that value. And then he says to her, you're hereby becoming Mekudeshet to me. Again, same thing in Kiddushin, Rusin, or you're hereby becoming Erusa, Arusa to me. Or you're hereby becoming my wife through this. And then he proceeds to give her this monetary consideration next to witnesses. And it's the man, the one who's asked to say things that, uh, that their meaning is that he is hereby acquiring her. Liknot is not really acquiring. We're not talking about buying people here. We are talking about uh, designating as ones, designating as ones. So he's designating her as his, and he's the one who is supposed to give the, the money, not the woman. What if the woman is the one, the girl is the one who says to the guy, here, have this, and through this, I am becoming Mekudeshet to you. Or I am becoming your wife. Or using any of the other languages we just mentioned. This is not enough, she's not going to become Mekudeshet. Also, if she's the one who is giving the consideration, then he's the one who says it. So she takes the, the coin or the ring or anything of that sort and says to and, and she says to him, okay, so by accepting this ring, I'm becoming Mekudeshet to you. This doesn't catch. What if he's the one who gives the consideration and she's the one I'm sorry, so the first case is she's the one who gives the ring and he's the one who says by accepting this ring from you, now I am making you, you are becoming my wife. That doesn't count. If she's the one who gives the ring to him, if, if he's the one who gives the ring to her, Natan, who? 
and she's the one who says, who formulates what's happening. She's the first case of many that we'll see right now that she's Mekudeshet Misafek. She's, um, it, it's an uncertain case of whether she is or she's not Mekudeshet. And uh, the, the, there, are, there are a few laws applying to that. What do we do with someone who is Mekudeshet Misafek? Uh, just to, to, to sum up, to preview, uh, she cannot stay with him. She can also not marry anyone else. So he needs to give her a get misafek. <clears throat> what if the second method of kiddushin is used, the method of shetar, of a contract? He can write on anything. There is really no requirement for what the medium should be on which this is written. Could be paper, could be a piece of clay, could be a leaf or anything. And it says on it, you are hereby becoming to me. Or you are becoming uh, my arusa or my wife or anything of that sort. And then he gives her this contract, this written document next to witnesses. Before witnesses. Now we go to some of the rules of legal documents. Some legal documents that have that are operative with respect to a specific person need to be prepared, need to be written for that person. The the most obvious example of that, classic example, is a get, a get a sefer keritut, whatever document that signifies or that operates functions in order to create to, to sever the Kiddushin, named the Gerushin, needs to have been written Leshem Ha'isha, among other things. So here too, a Shetar for Kiddushin needs to be written Leshem Ha'isha. Ve'enokotvo elamidatah, and it has to be written only after there has been an agreement between them that they actually are going to get married. Ketavo shelo however, if the man writes this document, uh, not having this particular girl in mind or without this girl having agreed in principle for this transaction to happen, even if he afterwards, he subsequently, he gives it to her with her acceptance, next to Adim, this doesn't count. What we care about is the moment of writing. At the moment of writing, it needs to be both with her consent and for her sake in particular. Third method of uh, of uh, of kiddushin, which is intimacy. If the person is doing kiddushin through uh, actually being together with one another, so he has to tell her, "You're becoming my wife." In any of those languages we mentioned, through this act of our being together right now. And then he goes next to Aidim and not Shalom that they do anything next to Aidim that would be very inconsistent with Halakha and with uh, generally the, the, the direction that Halakha seems to want to shape our lives to be in. But rather they go and they have Ihud together 
they go to a place in which there is privacy outside the site of the IDIM actually, and the IDIM witnessing the fact that they are going right now and secluding themselves in a private place, that is sufficient for their testimony, and then whatever happens, happens. And when this method of Kiddushin happens, really the, the assumption, the presumption is that the, the bi'a that's, that, that, that's being talked about is actual intercourse, and only after this act of being together, this intimate act, they, she's going to become a Kudeshet. And what kind of intercourse, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a, it's a vaginal or anal intercourse, that's Kedarkah or Shelo Kedarkah. It doesn't, in either of these cases, this is enough of a Bia for Kiddusha Bia. And she'll become a kudeshet. Halachavav, ha'devarim sheyomar ha'ish kashiyekadesh tarich shehiya anyanam shukana isha, lo shehiya anyanam sheikna asmola. Now we said that there is chayoseba devarim ha'elu several times that there is many languages and there is a little bit of openness on what kind of phraseology needs to be used to signify that a woman is becoming a kudeshet. However, it needs to be that the meaning is that the woman is becoming. Uh, exclusive to the man and not the other way around. That is the way Halakha perceives a union of a man and a woman. Although our forefathers and pretty much all heroes in Tanakh other than kings have had only one wife, uh, polygamy in the sense of one husband having many wives is permissible. The act of Kiddushin does not preclude the husband from getting another wife. Again, not something that has been done very often. If you look at uh, all the heroes, really all the heroes of Tanakh, even even uh, Abraham Avinu, when he took Hagar, it was for a specific reason to have children. Likewise, with Yaakov taking Leah, taking Rahel really was because she, he always wanted Rahel, but he had taken Leah first. And then the other two uh, wives that he ended up getting was also for the purpose of children. But the act of Kiddushin is unilateral, and the one who is becoming Mekudeshet is the woman. The man is Mekadesh, but he's not Mitkadesh. So, if uh, whatever he says or whatever it says in the document he's handing to her talks more about him than about her. I am becoming your husband. I am becoming your um, your Baal. I am becoming your your sir, whatever your spouse, whatever other uh, word that, that might be used. This is not kiddushin. However, if he says to her, and then Harabam gives a lot of examples of uh, something that signifies that she's becoming something special to him. You are my wife, you are my uh, my engagee, or Arusa, I don't know how I would translate Arusa, it's really the one who is committed to me, or you you are here by mine, or or uh, uh, you are going to come into my my, uh, my my family now, my home, or you, you'll start uh, being under my uh, protection or care, or I'm taking you right now, and 
everything of that sort, this is enough to be Mekudeshet. Halakha Zayin, Amar Lo Katav Lahariyat Miyuhedet Li, Hariyat Miyuhedet Li, Hariyat Aizrati, Hariyat Negdi, Hariyat Salati, Hariyat Segurati, Hariyat Tahtai, Hariyat Asurati, Hariyat Tefusati, Harizo Mekudeshet Esafek. If he says something, however, that signifies some kind of a mutual relationship, like for example, you're going to become now my partner, that's the example I would think of in English, or you're going to become my peer or my equal or my help or something like that, that doesn't really signify an exclusive relationship unilateral on the from the point of view of the woman that she now becomes precluded from being with anyone else. This is Mekudeshet Misafek. This is not uh, certain what the case is. And it's yet another example of someone who is and is not Mekudeshet and we don't know. And when is this Kiddushim Isafek? He has to at least have had the context of being discussing the possibility of marriage. However, if they weren't talking about marriage before, then there is not, no concern, nothing to be concerned about by saying any of these terms that don't really signify the woman becomes Mekudeshet. Just as a side point, Haronim uh, discuss in many instances, many Aharim discuss the custom that there is today of having an engagement whereby before getting married, the boy gives a ring, a diamond ring or whatever to the girl and he asks her about the possibility of getting married. That's uh, in Western culture is very popular. Is that actual Kiddushin or not? So I think that from here we can tell that it's not because the the context is not married. The context is engagement, which has its own meaning in the culture under which we are operating. <clears throat> and any language is fine so long as the woman understands it. And so long as the meaning in that language is something along the lines that we said. In other words, when you are under the Chopah, you don't have to say in Hebrew, especially if you don't understand it, or more, more precisely, especially if the girl doesn't understand this. Rather, it should be with words, with a language that the girl is capable of understanding it. Let's say the boy and the girl were discussing the possibility of marriage, and she agreed. She said, yes, sure, I'd love to get married to you. And then he stands up and he does a kiddushin. And he didn't say anything, but rather he either gave her something or took her to, took her to a private place, all of these next witnesses. Even without saying anything, this is enough, and he doesn't need to be so explicit and, and say, with this act is that we are going to begin, that you are going to become a Kudesha to me. So to the witnesses that are witnessing all of this transaction, and by transaction, I'm not meaning, by the way, something that uh, one purchases, it's not Masao uh, Matan. So with this transaction, the Kiddushin, he doesn't need to tell them, Atem Aidai, that you are my witnesses. Rather, Kevan Shekidesh, once the witnesses see this, regardless of whether or not they were told, now you're designated as my witnesses, uh, that's enough.
הרי זו מקודשת ומגורשת. הלכה ט', now we start with some very weird cases but that have real consequences. האומר לאישה התקדשי לחסי, הרי זו מקודשת. What if someone says to a woman, become מקודשת to me, but only to a half of me. And what this might mean is, I'm reserving my other half for, half my heart is reserved for someone else, or something like that. That's fine, we are only concerned about what the effect of this transaction on the woman, she becomes Mekudeshet. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to do, we don't have to give too much regard to how much of a commitment this imposes on the husband. What is this similar to? To someone who says, be my wife, but you're going to be second. And therefore, in that case, it turns out that each of them is, is sharing half a husband. But if he tells her, half of you, I want to marry half of you only, she's not because one woman cannot be for two men. So too, if a man says to a woman, you're, you're hereby becoming Mekudeshet to me and to someone else, that's not enough, it's not good Kiddushin, and this doesn't count as anything. However, if he splits the woman, but he takes both halves, so to speak, in this Kiddushin, for example, he tells her, um, here, this ring is for 50% of you and this other ring is for 50% of you. That's fine, because on the aggregate, he's doing Kiddushin to the whole of the woman. So now some other examples that are in between the last two cases we just described. If one says to a girl, here, this uh, ring is for you to become married to me, but only 50% today on Monday and tomorrow, Tuesday, I'll give you another ring and I'll do kiddushin to the rest of you, to the other 50%. Or if he says, here, I want to do kiddushin separately to each of your two halves, but both of them together with one peruta. So in reality, he's giving half a peruta for each. And we sort of imply that for any transaction to have any de minimis value and significance, it has to have at least peruta. And although in the aggregate it's peruta, here for each of these two transactions, and he's putting these as two transactions, there is less than a peruta. Or your two daughters, let them marry my two children, my two sons, and here there is this one peruta that's going to affect this kiddushin. Or I'm going to marry your daughter and buy your cow all together with one peruta. Or I'm going to marry your daughter and acquire your land all through this peruta. All of these cases are uncertain. They are neither a clear-cut no nor a clear-cut yes. And so in each of these cases, the girl will be Mekudeshet Bisafek. We switch now to a separate topic, and this has to do with last chapter, and that's about uh, who is an adult and who is not an adult. And we spoke last chapter about what makes adulthood for consent and for liability in Judaism. 
and until a girl becomes an adult under halakha it's the father who is responsible for her her well-being etc and also for getting her married and this is how how the world behaved until not much more than than a century ago or a couple of centuries ago depending on where we are talking about and still today in some instances in some places of the world so a father can do kiddushin on behalf of his daughter without her agreement and this is uh, obviously because the girl cannot by definition have that so long as she is ketana, she's prepubescent. And also uh, during those six months that we consider halachically the process of puberty. And, uh, and this is something he, her, her uh, I, I translate her destinies in his hands or her. Her, the, the right to consent on her behalf is his, is the father's. And this is learned from the Pasuk that says, uh, when, when uh, we are discussing uh, or or rather in Parashat Kiteseh, the father is said to say, I have given my daughter to this guy, implying that the father can give his daughter to a guy. And whatever consideration that is received to affect this Kiddushin belongs to the Father. And so too, um, while she is a minor, the Father is the one who is entitled to receive whatever she finds or whatever she earns or even her own Ketubah. And so long as she hasn't had Nisuim, if she had Kiddushin, so let's say a 16-year-old girl who is starting the process of puberty uh, and uh, there is six months until she becomes uh, an adult, if during these six months her father marries her and then she gets a Ketubah and before there is the Chupah, the Nisuim, uh, before the husband takes her into his own wing, under his own wing, uh, they, they get divorced. <clears throat> that means that the, hus- that, that the father, whose, protect- whose, uh, whose uh, domain she still remains under, is the one who is going to receive the get in this case. So long as she's not bogeted, and I'm going to add here something that we're going to learn later, and so long as there hasn't been a nisuin, whereby the husband... Um, takes her from her father to her, to his own home. Therefore, the, the father can arrange for the marriage of his daughter and receive the consideration for this kiddushin from the moment she is born and until she becomes an adult. And therefore, we don't look at the capacity of the girl to enter into a transaction, and even if she were hereshet, Deaf, and we explain deaf means deaf that cannot talk or hear and cannot communicate. Or if she was shot, if she was mentally incapacitated, but the father entered into this, this transaction, we just look at the father's ability to, to enter into this transaction, and that will be a valid transaction. 
ואם הייתה בת שלוש שנים ויום אחד מתקדשת בביאה מדעת אביה, פחות מכאן אם קידשה אביה בביאה אינה מקודשת. Also one more thing, and I know it's uncomfortable to say this, but under Jewish laws it was developed up to the time of the Talmud. <coughs> it was assumed that, or it was assumed, it was understood that the female sexual organs are, not that they are mature, but they are at least capable, there is a possibility of intercourse uh, even at the at the age of three at the age of three the the woman's uh, reproductive organ is capable just capable not, not that it's uh, that it's the appropriate age or anything but it's at least capable of bia and therefore bia is disregarded under this age and above this age it counts as bia and therefore in theory if uh, if bia was uh, was the method of nisuim it would count also after the age of 3 pahut mikan im kidshah aviha beviya ena mekudeshet less than this then uh, the kidushin would not be kidushin this is all obviously the father being the one who is the 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 agent in this transaction Now, once the girl attains puberty after the age of 12, the father no longer has any say on what she does. And then from that moment on, we need her own consent and her own agreement for her to get married like any other woman. Also, also if the father married her when she was younger and then she became an almana or a gerusha during the life of her father so that, that's what i previewed before this is not only but there was also nisuim we are going to see later there is a later stage in in marriage the first stage is erusin slash kiddushin and the later stage is nisuim and the effect of nisuim is that the girl now comes under the domain of the guy, of, of the husband, and he becomes responsible for her well-being, he becomes responsible for she'er kesut ve'ona, he becomes responsible for her nedarim, and the father no longer becomes responsible for any of these things. Another consequence is the father loses his right to consent on her behalf. While she's erusa and not nesua, she actually is living in her father's home still. If a girl becomes mekudeshet before she is mebugeret, before six months have passed since her puberty, the onset of her puberty after the age of 12 has begun, against her father's consent, she is not mekudeshet. Even if the father learns of it afterwards and says, oh, yes, that guy, great. I'm so happy, my daughter, that you got married. It doesn't matter. He, he wasn't involved in this transaction and he was a necessary participant. And not, it's, it's, such, it's such an invalid kiddushin that even if the day later, this new husband that she marries divorces her and gives her a get, a Gerusha would be forbidden to marry any Kohen, 
she's not a Gerusha because she was never married to begin with. And she's permitted to then go and marry a Kohen. When he when Aviha Yecholim Yaakev, Ben Shanit Kadesha Befanav, Ben Shanit Kadesha Shelo Befanav, Enah Mekudeshet. And it could be she or he, in other words, the father or her, that could raise this argument that there was never Kiddushin. And this is uh, whether the, 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 has, the, the father was present in that Kiddushin or whether he wasn't. It doesn't matter if he disagrees, if he uh, pr protests or she protests, they both have this veto right on the Kiddushin and that's enough for her not to be Mekudeshet. If we don't know, or it's impossible to know whether this girl is bogeret or not, so whether her father did Kiddushim against her will, or she did Kiddushim against her father's will, then we don't know if she's, if she's bogeret or not, it would hinge on that classification, and therefore we are left with Kiddushim Besafek. We don't know if uh, if she's married or not. Lefichach, and that's the first time Harambam says what happens with Kiddushim Besafek. Serichah get misafek, she needs get just in case. Halacha yodalet yesh la'ish la'asot shaliyah nekadesh lo isha ben isha pelonint ben isha mishe'ar hanashim. Shalichot bekiddushin is also a topic that's very, very discussed in the Gemara. And a, a person is entitled to do Kiddushin through an agent, to someone other than himself. He can be a principal and send someone to do Kiddushin on his behalf. Ben Isha Pelonit, Ben Isha Mishe'ar Hanashim, whether he's empowering and trusting, uh, instructing the Shaliyah, the emissary, to go and do Kiddushin to one specific girl, go and get me, uh, I don't know, a... Uh, or something like that, or if it is a uh, any girl, you can tell the shaliach, go to this city and find me someone that you think will be appropriate for me and, and, and marry her on my behalf. So to the woman, so long as she is an adult, she can appoint a shaliach to consent on her behalf. Ben Meish Peloni, and this shaliyah can be entrusted to accept Kiddushin from one specific guy or from any guy. So to the father, when he's the one who enters into Kiddushin on behalf of his daughter, while she she's uh, not bogeret yet, he can also make a shaliyah to accept the Kiddushin of his daughter. And not only that, but in a way, the, the, the girl herself, although she cannot enter into this Kiddushim without her father's consent, if she's a minor, but her father can appoint her to be a shaliyah of his own consent for her Kiddushim. אינו צריך לעשות אותו בעדים, שזה מקום לעדים בשליחות האיש, אלא להודיע אמיתת הדבר. 
a person who does a shaliyah to accept the Kiddushin needs to do so next to two witnesses. But if a person is sending a shaliyah to go and, and marry someone on his behalf, he doesn't need Aidim because the only function of the Aidim in the Shlichut is evidentiary. There is no operative function in this testimony. There is no, no ritual function. It's only evidentiary. We just want to know that this indeed happened. And therefore, if you have the 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 the, the the, the recognition, the acknowledgement of both the one who is sending and the one who is being sent, the principal and the agent, that this agency exists. You don't really need witnesses. Just like the one who is sending a get, or just like someone who is doing teruma. In all of these situations, a shaliach, an agent, is like the principal, and he doesn't need witnesses. The agent does not, although the agent is like the person the principal is sending him, he's not precluded from becoming then later a witness for what has happened. Consequently, if a person sends two shalichim to do kiddushin on his behalf, then the moment they give the kiddushin to the girl on the behalf of the principal, they are the ones affecting the kiddushin and they don't need two other witnesses. They are themselves witnesses to what just happened, even though they were the ones handing over the kese for the shetar. Anyone can be a shaliyah other than someone who is deaf and mute, or shoteur, mentally incapacitated, or katan, or a minor, because they don't have the legal capacity to enter into these transactions. Vehagoi, lefisha enovemberit, also a non-Jew, given that he's not part of our covenant. And in the area of the Torah where it talks about shalichot, namely the area of teruma, that it says that you should also do teruma, and Chachamim learn from there, that means the also means that teruma uh, can be done through someone else. Um, so in the Gemara learns that just like you need to belong to this covenant, so too your shaliach needs to be like you in the sense that he also belongs to the covenant. Therefore, someone who is outside the covenant, someone who is not Jewish, cannot serve as a shaliach. And uh, someone who is a servant, Ivid uh, Kenani, although he is a good enough agent for purpose of monetary transactions, he's not a good enough agent for Gitin or for Kiddushin because he is not part of the covenant in this regard. Kiddushin and Gitin don't apply to Ivid to Kenani. And therefore, he also cannot be a shaliach in this context. <clears throat> when someone sends a shaliach, the shaliach has to say 
to the girl, you are hereby becoming Mekudeshet to that person who sent me. Or if it's a Shaliyah of the girl that's accepting the Kiddushim, he needs to say to the Shaliyah, to the girl's Shaliyah, the, the, the groom needs to say to the girl's Shaliyah, you are hereby, or, or, or the, the, the girl who sent you is hereby Mekudeshet to me through this action. And then, or, or he tell, or and, and then the shaliach answers back. I agree. I hereby uh, have her consent to pass on to you, and so on and so forth. So to the one who is doing it through the father uses the same phraseology, and the mekudeshet always the mekudash is not the father; is the girl, and the phrase needs to be constructed in a way that that is made clear. And if you go to someone's father and you want to marry the girl, uh, you have to tell the father, your girl, and you call her by name, is becoming now Mekudeshet to me. And the father then is the one who consents and says, And if the father of the or the Shaliach say, okay, instead of saying, Okay, she's Mekudeshet, without specifying, okay, to what? That's enough, because the context matters here. And even more so, even if there was no phrase being said, but rather the context was that they were discussing, <clears throat> this guy comes to the Shaliach and says, yes, so I really want to marry her, and I went and I got this ring, and this ring is for the purpose of marrying her, and, uh, and, and that's it, and I know she agreed, and I'm glad that you came here. And then he goes and gives her this ring, gives him this ring, sorry, the shaliyah, without saying she's here by Mekudeshet now by this transaction. It's enough, the context is enough, and she's Mekudeshet. And if he's doing it through a shetar, and the shetar normally is written contemporaneously with the decision to getting married, then the shetar needs to be written with the consent and after having the assent, the consent of the of the shaliyah or of the father. And so to everything that we said about the woman, the same would apply to the, the shaliyah or the father. It's just a different person expressing the consent here and affecting the transaction. Nothing else is changing. <clears throat> it's much preferable for a person to be the one who goes and marries the girl himself as opposed to sending someone to do this on his behalf. It's also preferable for the girl to be the one doing this directly, not through a shaliyah. And even though legally it would be okay for the father to marry his daughter, and this is a prepubescent or a girl who just entered puberty or a prepubescent girl, even if it's after 12 years until the age of 35, as we said before, it's not appropriate to do so. So even in the times of the, the, the Gemara, they already culture already had changed enough that uh, this was not this was not considered appropriate to to marry a minor 
unlike what goes on in some cultures nowadays. And by the way, uh, just as an aside, whoever still believes that the Midrash says that Rivka was three, year, three years of age when she got married to Ishaq, go back and relearn Perek Bet of Ilhot Ishud and you'll understand that the word Ne'ara that is used for Rivka means necessarily uh, older than 12 years and potentially much older than 12 years of age. And that's what she's called. And if you have the Peshat against the Midrash, always go with the Peshat. The Midrash has a specific reason for saying what it says. Nobody in the Torah has ever gotten married in at such a young age. And if you look at the ideal marriages that we are told about in Tanakh, they all are, in the way Haramam is describing it here, the girl herself is the one who gets married, the guy himself is the one who marries, uh, the father is not the one that marries his daughter off. So Hachamim, rather, they, they prescribed, they, they, they dictated, they recommended, they urged, that a, a father should never marry his daughter off to whomever he wants, but rather he should wait until she's old enough and let her choose and say, I want to marry this guy. And then the father actually has a responsibility to Misvot Ha'avalabat to go and marry of his daughter, presumably to this particular guy that she wants. So if the daughter comes and says, Daddy, there is this guy that uh, I want him to marry me and so on and so forth, the father actually becomes responsible to try and make this happen. <clears throat> This is not only that the father shouldn't marry his daughter when she's a minor, but also a man should not look to marry a minor. Also, it's not appropriate for a man to marry someone before he sees her and is attracted to her and finds her finds her fit in his eyes. Because halakha hachamim are not really interested in creating a multitude, a multiplicity of, of marriages that are going to end up in divorce. And what would happen if someone just marries someone without even seeing if he likes her is that the chances of divorce are higher because the moment he sees her, he then gets to decide once again, there is another choice and that is whether to give a get or not. Or another alternative also, they could remain together, they could live an intimate life together, but he won't love her. That's also not a desirable outcome. Uh, the Kiddushin through intercourse are effective in the Torah. Kiddushin of Shetar, of a document, are also effective in the Torah. And the proof for the document that is effective in the Torah is that the document is good enough for Gerushin, and therefore it's also good enough for for, Kiddush, uh, for Gerushin, so it's also good enough for Kiddushin. V'chen ha-kesef din Torah, this is, by the way, Gilsa Batrain in, in uh, Mehadura Batrain Mishneh Torah, so too the kesef, the effect of a transaction through monetary means, although this was introduced by Hachamin later on, in the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, presumably you would only do Bi'ah or Shetar, but Later on, Hachamim added Kesef, but once they added it, the effect of this transaction, the effect of doing Kiddushe Kesef is 
the Torah, ufferushom idivresofrim. And its application, the fact that it was introduced, the jurisprudence, the way it made itself, it went to Alachai, midivresofrim, shene'emar, and where did hachamim hang their hat on? Where did they link this to? Which pasuk, as it is said, ki kah ish isha, the Torah says, as a man takes a woman, and this taking is monetary taking in, in many instances. And Chachamim said that Likuhim to take something or someone has the connotation of a monetary transaction, just like when Abraham bought Me'arat HaMachpelah, and the, the, the case there is very explicitly of a transaction where he handed to Ephron the 400 shekel kesef of Allah Soher, and by doing that, he kahmimenni, he was taking, acquiring the, the Sadeh from Ephron. Kaf Aleph, Afal Pish although this is the raw law, what we just said, the custom in Hanabam's time, and obviously nowadays, is to do all Kiddushin with a monetary transaction with something of value like a ring. So too, it still is permissible and okay to do so with a document. If uh, a groom wanted to, instead of giving a ring to a girl, give her a piece of paper saying, you are Mekudeshet to me, that would be okay. So long as it's written with her consent and to her name specifically. However, is something that's not done. Rav was the one at the beginning of the times of the Gemara, who pretty much annulled this custom of doing Kiddush he thought it was no longer appropriate in the context of the culture in which he lived, and he he would uh, he would become very upset if he ever heard that someone did Kiddush And not only that, but as learned from that story of Rav, uh, whoever does Kiddush is uh, liable or is is the Bedin can punish him with Makat Mardut, with discretionary corporal punishment. So that uh, Am Israel are not, are not uh, uh, they don't go into Perisu. This is something that's not, uh, it's not Seniot. It's too unprivate. It's too, uh, and, and, uh, even though the Kiddushin, Kiddushin are Kiddushin. So to whoever does Kiddushin in a pretty informal way, like for example, without having any kind of dating beforehand or negotiation, that's Shiduch, or if he does so in the middle of the street. <coughs> Although the Kiddushin are fully valid, he'll get Makat Mardut, because Hachamim wanted, as a matter of public policy, not to encourage informal marriages where the sole purpose is just to engage in intimate relations and then uh, and then uh, annul the marriage afterwards or get into a get. And this would start looking to the situation before Matan Torah, where, as we described in the first chapter, a person would just see a girl in the middle of the street and so long as she consented, there was some sort of tra- transaction. There could be 
consequenceless uh, intercourse without any kiddushin effect. הלכה כ"ג כל המקדש אישה בין על ידי אספו בין על ידי שליח צריך לברך קודם הקידושין הוא השלוחו ואחר כך מקדש whenever a person is doing קידושין whether himself or through a שליח he needs to say a ברכה before the קידושין and only then do the transaction כדרך שמברכים קודם כל המצוות just like it's done before doing any מצווה ואם קידש ולא ברך לא יברך אחר הקידושין שזו ברכה לבטלה מה שנעשה כבר נעשה and just like with other מצוות if the מצווה has already been completed the קידושין and he hasn't said the Berakha, he should not go and say the Berakha afterwards because once the Misvah is done, there is no point on saying a Berakha. It's Berakha Levatala. Kesan Nevarech, what Berakha is said, Baruch Atta Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kiddeshanu Bemisvotav, Vehevdilanu Min Arayot, Veasar Lanu Et Ha'arusot, Veitir Lanu Et Hanesuot Al Yedhe Chupa Vekidushim, Baruch Atta Hashem Mekadesh Yisrael. The Gersa is slightly different than what we said today, but the, the meaning is substantially the same. And uh, this Berakha, according to Hanambam, and Baruch Hashem, I had the zechut of doing so myself, has to be said by the person fulfilling the misvah, Pirkat HaMisvot. So the Hatan is the one who should say this, and he should say, blessed blessing, uh, source of blessing, you are Hashem, our Lord, the eternal King, the one who has sanctified us through his precepts, has separated us from Arayot, Arayot are all the forbidden relations, has forbidden us to be with the Arusot, even with those that uh, are, are Arusot or that are Arusot to other people. They did learn with Hanesuot, and he has permitted to us only those who are not only Arus, Arusot, but are only in this, also Nesuot. We are going to see what Nesuim are in a bit. Al through not only Kiddushim, but also Chupa. <clears throat> Source of blessing you are. God, Hashem, Mekadesh Israel, the one who sanctifies, who separates Israel. Zohi Birkat Erusin is the Berakha of Erusin, slash Kiddushin, I add. And it's the custom to also say this Berakha over a cup of wine and say Hagefen, or of any other liquor. Im en Shamyain, im yer Shamyain, sorry, mevarech ala yain tehila, vahalkach mevarech Birkat Erusin, vahalkach Mekadesh. If there is wine, the person should say Hagefen, and then and then say the Brikat Ha'erusin, and then proceed to do the Kiddushin themselves. But if there isn't any wine or liquor, he can still say, and he should still say the Beracha of Kiddushin by itself. It's not a Beracha that necessitates wine. The wine is a Minhag, like we do over any celebratory act that we do. Uh, the custom, the Jewish custom is always to say it an act of thankfulness or an act of praise to Borei Olam, we always say it over wine, and that is why there is wine that's added to the process of Kiddushin. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.